Music there from Timothy Capes, Still Drowsy. A music theatre work performed last month as part of the Venice Biennale. And we'll hear more from the composer about this later. You're listening to Amplify, the podcast from the Contemporary Music Centre Ireland. I'm Jonathan Grimes and this is episode 73. Also on this week's show... I always feel like, especially in a festival when people have come quite a long way, it could seem a bit standoffish to just stand up and play and not give any context for the music. Hard Rain soloist ensembles Ashleen Agnew on performing at the Musica Aura Festival in Chile and... The one thing that was really clear from everyone that was attending was that we need to be in the same space to properly share ideas. The, the festival is about sharing ideas. Composer Ryan Malloy on the ISCM World New Music Days in New Zealand. I'm joined once again by CMC director Yvonne Ferguson. Hi Yvonne. Hiya Jonathan, how's it going? Good. So we start this new series of Amplify by featuring conversations about performances that took place in the last number of weeks in three continents. Indeed, and it's three years since the first episode of the Amplify podcast. And what an unusual time huge parts of that three years have been. As Autumn 22 draws in for this new series of Amplify between now and Christmas, we've been out and about uh, in between the last series and now catching up with lots of those active in new music from Ireland. And it's an internationally themed episode of sorts, this one, which uh, features, as you say, projects and events that happened on three continents. So first off, we hear from young composer Timothy Cape, whose music was featured last month at the Gaudiamus Festival in Utrecht and the 2022 edition of the Venice Biennale. Timothy Capes, a young composer from Donegal, represented by CMC and experimental music theatre is his specialty. And uh, in his work, he explores very interesting themes, age old themes, but very relevant and timely in our contemporary world, that of the work life balance. Timothy was commissioned to make a new piece for the Venice Music Biennale as part of the Young Composers Biennale Music College and it was presented as part of the out-of-stage performances at the Teatro Piccolo Arsenale in Venice. So I spoke to Tim last month via Zoom from his base near Rome in Italy just before he travelled to Utrecht for the performance of his piece Sorry for the Late Reply and onwards to Venice for the premiere of his music theatre piece Still Dragon. Here it is. My name is Timothy Cape. I'm a composer and a performer from Donegal. I uh, make experimental music theatre. Sometimes I perform it myself, sometimes I work with other musicians. I've been based in the UK for 10 years uh, in London and now I'm based in, in various places since the Covid pandemic. And I've got various shows coming up that I've been working towards for a while. 
So tell me about the first one of those, which is in Holland as part of the uh, Gaudi Amos Festival. The piece is called Sorry for the Late Reply. It's a solo piece for percussion, video and movement. And it's going to be performed by Angela Huy Wynok. This actually was a piece that I wrote for Angela during the pandemic. So it was a piece that was sort of produced and composed and rehearsed all remotely. It's been performed a few places already. Angela premiered it in Hong Kong and then did it in London at a non-classical event. And I also then learned the piece and performed it myself at Music Current in Dublin and at Huddersfield Contemporary Music Festival. So it's been around a bit already and I'm really excited that it's going to be performed in Gaudiamus in Utrecht. Picking up on the process behind the composition and I'm seeing this a lot now where pieces that are being premiered and programmed have been written during the COVID period like we're kind of now finally seeing a lot of the outputs how would you say uh, it's it's kind of affected that piece it was quite a positive remote working experience but interesting enough the sort of topic of the piece is about this sort of attempting to separate work and life which is sort of I think during the COVID pandemic is something that's become really hard with more and more people remote working working from home so interesting. I love that the, the topic of the piece is, a, is about that. And that's been sort of an interest of mine for quite a few years now. I do freelance work. And so I do a lot of uh, emails and stuff like this. And what I often like to do is I like to go somewhere like out of my house if possible to do that. And so, you know, I would always go to maybe cafes or libraries. Uh, sometimes I'd go to like an art center foyer or something, just somewhere where I can sort of get my head a little bit out of my home world. You know, so while doing this a few years ago, I would sort of pause and do some sort of li- some listening to the environment. And you go to these places and there are lines and lines of laptops. And it's supposed to be like a cafe or a social space, but it it's like a factory. It's really like a factory. It's like a conveyor belt of like the information economy or the service economy or, or whatever. So, I, you know, I'd be in these places and I'd be listening and and. I'd be hearing the sounds of, you know, tap fingers tapping on keys. And, you know, if it was a library, maybe you hear the printers, but also the sort of the sounds of maybe someone sighing or, you know, clicking their pens. And these sort of like quite subtle sounds. And in a way, it's sort of listening to it is quite a really nice sort of cage style listening experience. You're sort of embracing everything. But when I look at people working in these sort of situations, you notice they're sort of hunched over, maybe their knees are bopping up and down, they're sort of biting their nails. This little hints that sort of like a general anxiety underneath against the clock, you know, trying to get all of these things they need to do done. So on the one hand, it seems like a really easy situation. They're just sitting there, they've got these sort of slick looking laptops. But then you look closer and you sort of, there are these hints of this angst. So I sort of started thinking about these, this soundscape of like clicking and typing and as a sort of hint or like a clue to like an unheard psychological soundscape that sort of exists inside these workers' heads. I have a sort of ongoing project called Make Your Admin Noisy as Hell, which was the parent piece of this percussion piece, Sorry for the Late Reply. 
Make Your Admin Noisy as Hell is a project that's based around the Noisy Admin Machine, which is a thing I invented, which is a laptop, which I basically hacked to make it bang and shriek and scream uh, every time I, I touched a key. And it's sort of the opposite of this sort of like sleek and easy aesthetic of contemporary labor. Um, instead of, you know, working in these sort of mundane, you know, writing emails, these mundane tasks sort of becomes like sort of evocative of, of previous types of industry, you know, it's like shrieking, banging, it's like, and so this was sort of like, for me, a sort of attempt to sort of bring this imaginary psychological soundscape of contemporary work to the surface and sort of make it, make it, bring it into the real world and sort of sonify it. So what I did for this piece, sorry for the late reply, I made various versions of the noisy admin machine and I recorded uh, myself writing out the sentence, sorry for the late reply, sorry for the late reply, sorry for the reply again and again as a sort of like a mantra or like a, a type of, you know, um, when you're in primary school and they, they make you write out lines on the, as a sort of punishment on the blackboard. That audio makes up the audio of the, the percussion and video piece. The, the video part is projected on the bass drum. There's various imagery projected and, and towards the end of the piece, there's the words 888 come up. And the 888 is from bringing back this sort of like industrial era idea of eight hours work, eight hours rest, eight hours leisure, which is a very, very old idea started in, you know, 16th century Spain, I've just read. And like was a very strong idea through the Industrial Revolution. And, you know, so many workers movements fought for this sort of separation between work and life and, you know, a limit to the working day. So it's, I sort of try to bring that history back into this problem of today's blurring of the lines between work and life that is sort of, you know, been existing in our society for a long time, but I think was really accelerated and accentuated during the, the lockdown phase and, and beyond. So I, I sort of try to bring that history back to the present, um, which is what I'm interested in doing in my work as much as possible. Where did this interest come from and this kind of expl exploration you know come from it was realizing that in the process of really trying and pushing to become a composer so much of the work is actually not creative so much of the work is is sort of like administrative sending proposals sending funding applications connecting with people emailing people updating your cv and sort of sending it to different places and really 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 trying to be in a situation where i could write music and I realized, well, so little of my time is actually spent writing music. So I thought, well, this is my real work, me tapping away at these keys. Um, and I thought, well, actually, you know, this shouldn't be hidden. I mean, you know, we live in a society where we're encouraged to engage with a product rather than the labor behind the product. And I'm interested in that politically. So I thought, well, you know, it should start with my own experience. The other reason is that I'm like, my whole identity as a composer and my whole relationship with being creative is totally to do with my wandering mind. To be able to be in a state where my mind is sort of drifting and who knows where, I, where it'll go and who knows what I'll think up. And to be in that state where I can do that. And I was realizing that 
to make things work as an adult and as a professional, you have to sort of like rein in this wandering mind. You've got to, you know, have a self-discipline. sort of trying to deal with these topics and thinking about how my work can sort of speak to these topics but always trying to bring it back to sound for example i'm really interested in rhythm historically is is rhythm is related to the rhythms of work right and there's so, such a, a long history of work songs and you know singing was something that was done with work and then thinking about sort of contemporary work and you know listening to someone writing an email and these like really jagged rhythms of of typing you know it's totally sort of manic rhythms not this even sort of you know that you might in sort of various types of physical labor of you know working the fields or working in a factory tack 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 of a hammer on something you know so that's why i sort of zone in on this on this typing that i'm sort of fascinated by the the rhythms of it and the noisy admin machine sort of really accentuates those rhythms. So I'm always thinking of, of relating it back to sound. sound. And also, you know, what's composing music other than shaping time? And in my piece, Sorry for the Late Reply, there's an image of a clock projected on the bass drum. The time is ticking by, but it's always an uneven time. And sometimes it speeds up, sometimes it goes backwards. And there's these images of, of fingers typing on a keyboard and also of historical industrial labor. And so always this sort of the experience of time passing in a musical sense, but also this anxious relationship of time when you're getting work done and you've got a hell of a lot to do and you know that you've got all these emails to write and you're, you're not going to get them all done, yada, yada. So I sort of make that connection as well. Tell me about a piece in the Venice Biennale and also what the piece is about. And if it continues some of these aspects or if it's a different subject area that you're you're working on. The piece is called Still Drowsy and it's very much a continuation of my uh, interests in productivity anguish in this sort of psychological state of contemporary workers and how that relates to sound. That's very much in this piece too. So the piece starts with the main character, who I call Kate, and on stage she's writing an email and we realize that she's in some sort of home situation. We hear voices from downstairs who are sort of trying to get her to get out and do something. She sort of tells them she needs more time. There's also a, a baby, so we, we sort of imply, we're implied, okay, there's some sort of family situation there. So she's sort of trying to get her work done while also struggling to separate her life from her work. And she's also, during the, the sort of writing of this email, she's, there are mysterious things that happen on the other side of the stage. Seems, seems, seems. 
and lots of references to coffee in the piece. Coffee as the brain fuel of this contemporary, you know, service information economy. You know, coffee that allows us to switch on and be turned on and ready for work. A sort of self-motivating drug that helps with this sort of self-motivating and discipline that we need. But that is is also a dangerous drug that you can sort of go that little step too, too much. And you can have, you know, that one coffee too much. Just stepping into this world of, of dangerous world of being very ready to do things and feeling ready, but also just pushing towards being too anxious to do anything. And so this precarious line of self-motivation and, you know, trying to drive, motivate, get things moving and almost tipping over into anxiety, that somehow to me has has a parallel, that feeling, that precarious feeling of, has a parallel with what it's like to be alive in 2022. You know, it's a, it's a society of individualism. We have to, if we want to do what we have to do, we have to really have this narrative of our own journey, pushing ourselves through our careers and our work, motivating ourselves, self-discipline, self-disciplining. And, but then always there's this underlying anxiety that I think is a consequence and a, and a partner to that. So that sort of feeling, that hyper-caffeinated feeling is something that runs through the music. Um, it's a sort of simmering energy in the music and in the voice parts throughout the piece. And there is also an onstage espresso machine. And it sort of is, is lit in a ghostly way and it's remote controlled. You know, you have these, these big bar style espresso machines. They have the milk foamers, you know, these things. The espresso things themselves would drip out liquid. I've got a big coffee grinder. So, you know, real intense sounds. And so these, this, the espresso machine operates by itself. And that's an entity that sort of like speaks to the music and the sound world of the piece. And it has a, sol- it has a three minute solo, this espresso machine. So it's sort of like, I sort of treat it like, a, like one of the musicians, a sort of fourth performer. They wear the masks of the the Dani, who are these characters from Commedia dell'arte in 14th century Italy. This form of theater, the Dani, they were characters who were basically precarious workers themselves. They were the sort of like the gig economy of the of the 14th century. You know, they would come down from the hills of Bergamo in Italy, maybe around the time of a famine or something, very precarious, very poor. They'd go to Venice, the center of capital and, and merchant activity, and they would sort of be handymen. They would be sort of do odd jobs. Um, but most of what they did was not producing physical things. It was like today's service economy workers. Their work was like producing, communicate, you know, communicating in a certain way, producing a service for someone. So they were real sort of full of wit and charm, these Zanny characters. Often they would try to do way too many things at once and they would fail, which was the, the whole comedy. There would be maybe a wealthy Don uh, character in, in Comedia dell'Arte who would 
have some sort of scandal and in who would hire the Zani to sort of, through their wit and charm, sort out these problems. I'm interested in the Zani through the writings of Xi'an Gai, who's this contemporary philosopher. She relates this aesthetic of the Zani, which is an aesthetic that's in a lot of contemporary pop culture. She says this sort of Zani energy of, of a lot of characters and films, etc., is our way to deal with the contemporary stresses of work and that it's got its history from these Zani characters in Commedia dell'arte. And there's this connection between these Zani characters and contemporary service workers, the labor of communicating of if you're in a meeting, you know, an important work meeting, then, you know, really how you articulate your ideas and how you talk is really important, right? How you talk to clients is so important. You're doing a sales pitch as part of your job today. You know, you've, you've got to have this sort of performative zeal. So contemporary work is very performative. So I think that's the effects of that labor, the sort of like negative effect, effects of that work is something that I think musicians and performers can really speak to. And so they they're sort of exist as sort of ghosts from the past and they visit uh, in the mind of this character, Kate, who's writing an email. And so these elements, the zani, the coffee and this work all encounter each other in the piece over the course of 45 minutes. And the language of the email, you know, becomes broken down and, and the percussionists work with these fragmented words and they sort of have like a language of their own with the percussion and with their voices. Timothy Capes still drowsy, ending that conversation with the composer. To Chile next, where Hard Rain soloist ensembles Ashleen Agnew and Daniel Browell performed at the Musica Aura Festival in Chile. And Yvonne, this concert came about as a result of CMC's NMDX programme. Yeah, that's right, Jonathan. NMDX is CMC's annual international networking programme in partnership with the New Music Dublin Festival and supported by Culture Ireland. And NMDX is attended by some of the most significant national and international contemporary music festivals, concert series, venues, programmers, promoters and broadcasters. And this invitation to the Hard Rain Soloist Ensemble from the Musica Aura Festival in Chile was another one of those brilliant plans that was drawn up pre-COVID. Both Music Ahora's Albaro and Hard Rain Soloist Ensemble Artistic Director Greg Caffrey participated in NMDX in 2020 and the conversation was kept alive during the years in between and all the details fully confirmed back in April of this year at NMDX 2022. And it's great that in Hard Rain Soloist Ensemble's 10th anniversary year that we see the ensemble, the North's foremost and dedicated new music ensemble, represent new music from Ireland on the international stage. So let's hear now from Hard Rain Soloist Ensemble flautist Ashleen Agnew and Musica Aura Festival's Alvaro Gallegos. <laughs> Thank you. 
name is Ashling Agnew and I'm the flute player in Hard Rain Solist Ensemble and uh, I'm just at the moment sitting in Santiago in Chile having played at the Musica Hora Festival in La Serena. I can see very clearly from your background a nice cityscape. It looks very pleasant there in, in Santiago today. It's, it's beautiful actually. The weather's quite nice here. You're just so surrounded by mountains. Really spectacular. But yes, this is our stop off on the way home Santiago um, and we flew here from from La Serena this morning. Tell me about the concert that you performed at the festival with Daniel Browell. So Daniel and myself we play together in Hard Rain Ensemble and part of our remit in that group is often to play as a complete ensemble but also to give solos and, and smaller groupings within that. So the two of us came here to give a flute and piano recital uh, mostly of Irish music, some Chilean music in there as well. So we we started the festival actually on on Monday. Our concert was the first concert of the festival. Uh, they're running every evening this week, I gather, and we played pretty varied recital, uh, mostly duo pieces, but a couple of solos in there as well. So we featured music by Greg Caffrey. Uh, Greg had written a piece for us earlier this year, actually, and that was a world premiere. And we played pieces by Jane O'Leary, a beautiful duo by Jane. I played some solo alto flute pieces by John Buckley. And Daniel played some solo pieces by Esteban Correa, the festival director as well. And we finished with a bit of a showcase piece for flute and piano by Jonathan Harvey. So it was it was a pretty exciting programme. As, as you say, a strong representation of Irish composers there and a kind of a good cross-section with Greg Caffrey, the Hard Rain Solos Ensemble Artistic Director. And then Jane O'Leary, who who you have had a in recent years a, a, a good association with 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 the group and uh, and John John Buckley who's very well known for his uh, flute writing and flute pieces yeah I've worked with John quite a lot uh, you know he's been up as well to to several events that we've done and you know I've played quite a lot of his flute pieces at this stage and as you know he's very masterful at writing for the flute you know he knows it inside out so I, I also just felt to play alto as well as the concert flute um was quite a nice thing um and Jane's piece is a bit of a reflection on Syrinx by Debussy. So it's intended to be played leading on from that piece. So I played that as well in the run into it. And it was a much more sort of atmospheric and sort of reflective piece of music in the middle of our programme. You know, the, the outside pieces were quite dramatic and exciting. And yeah, we, we got a, a really nice variety, Jonathan. You know, it's great to be able to show that when you're showcasing music from one country in particular. It's not a very common thing, obviously, for Irish 
composers or, 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 or new Irish music to be performed in Chile. So how did how did the audience respond to, to the programme and the pieces? Yeah, I mean, they seemed to love it. Like it was a really generous response from the audience and they seemed really engaged. I mean, we spoke to some people directly after the concert, you know, and outside of the sort of normal applause that you get, you know, you can sort of sense that in the room. But last night uh, we went along to hear another concert, you know, the next night of the festival uh, and to be part of that. And even people were chatting to us in the foyer and sort of reacting to us there, feeding back about the concert. You know, the people are so friendly here, like really generous spirit and just so kind. We just got a really good feeling from people afterwards, you know. I think they really enjoyed the music. Language is a wee bit of a barrier, I'm afraid to say. None of us are, are tremendously great at Spanish, so we've struggled slightly with that. Esteban was very kind to help translate in the concert because we wanted to talk a little bit to the audience as well. I always feel like, especially in a festival when people have come quite a long way, it could seem a bit standoffish to just stand up and play and not give any context for the music. So we wanted to say something about the composers and about the music that we were playing. That's been something that Hard Rain has tried to do at home in Belfast as well as put music in context and, and also to show Irish composers alongside some of the sort of heavyweight works from around Europe and from the 20th century. We've we've tried to to do a lot of that. But obviously, when you're as far away as this and you, you're reaching an audience that you think definitely will not have heard these pieces before, these composers before, I think it's hugely important. And, you know, I have to say, Obviously, we're really grateful to the CMC for their support, but also Culture Ireland. You know, I think they've supported us so generously in getting here. And I think must come from the value they see in, in reaching new audiences with, with our music as well. My name is Álvaro Gallegos. I'm a music critic, journalist, scholar, lecturer, composer. I'm based in Santiago de Chile, and I've been doing a career based on music with two main focuses. One is Chilean composers to promote um, the, the work of Chilean composers in my country and abroad, and also what is happening musically outside the capital. Musica Ora is a festival that started in 2004. The festival is about five or six concerts with ensembles of the city of La Serena, where, where the festival is held, and also ensembles and soloists from, from across the country, and um, international guests. We have uh, had um, ensembles from Switzerland, from Germany, France, uh, from Poland, and now we have part of an Irish ensemble. It all started because of my interest in, in Ireland, its music, its culture, its composers. And I had the luck to be invited to the New Music Dublin Festival in 2019. New Music Dublin has this NMDX network, which has the, the guests and, and delegates to, to have meetings with local composers and ensembles and uh, record labels. So I, I was exposed to, to different projects by different groups and soloists. One of them was the Harrain Ensemble from Belfast. 
And it, it was very interesting because um, I noticed a very good energy from them, a very uh, willingness to, to work together. We started the conversations with them, uh, with Greg Caffrey, the composer and, and its artistic director. So it, it was a long journey because it, it happened um, the pandemic. But finally, we have a version of, of the ensemble, this time just flute and piano. But we hope in the future to have um, the, the whole ensemble, the full ensemble. They proposed three Irish pieces. And most important, they played last night two piano pieces by Esteban Correa, which is a Chilean composer and also is the, the festival's director. You mentioned your interest in Ireland and in Irish composers. Where does that interest come from? And, you know, why why are you particularly drawn personally to Ireland and, and uh, the composers and musicians? Myself, I'm of Celtic origin because my mom is from Galicia, Spain, uh, the Celtic area of, of Spain. There was a first an interest in Ireland, the culture, and then came the literature. When I was in high school, I was very impressed by Samuel Beckett. I read the Ulysses by Joyce at, at some time. I'm a fan of, of William Butler Yeats, the, the poet. And of course, when I was drawn into full into music professionally, of course, I was interested in, in, in Ireland and the and composers. I had the opportunity to do a personal trip in 2017 when I visited the CMC and had a meeting with you. Uh, <laughs> you gave me some, some CDs published by the CMC where I learned much more from, from Irish composers. And that particular trip, I, I attended a concert by the National Symphony Orchestra, and there was John Kinsella, and, and because the, there was a, a piece of him and program. So I, I, I said hi, we had a, a brief chat, and Mr. Kinsella was very kind, and, and he said, <laughs> our two countries have something in common, you know? Our writers are much more known globally than, than our composers. And it's very true because Chile also is, is very is, is for, is famous for Neruda, for Gabriela Mistral, uh, the, po the poetry. So <laughs> he was right. <laughs> the opening concert and the opening concert is always is very special and uh, the Irish embassy they were very excited they, they promoted a lot on their social media they're they're doing a, they're doing a lot of stuff here they're promoting uh, activities regarding Irish culture here so it's it's very exciting that finally it happened and and, and, we're, and we're looking forward to the future to tighten this collaboration
Greg Caffrey's Tout, performed by Hard Rain soloist ensembles Ashleen Agnew and Daniel Browell at their concert in Chile last month. And my thanks to Musica Aura Festival for sending us the recording of this concert and to recording engineer Raquel Bainian. Finally, we hear from Rai Malloy, who attended the recent ISCM World New Music Days in New Zealand. And Yvonne, although we weren't in New Zealand, this year's ISCM festival was uh, a special one for CMC, wasn't it? Indeed, the 22 festival was where the General Assembly of the ISCM voted in favour of CMC's application to become the Irish section of the organisation. And it was a very special year too for the three composers featured, Ryan Malloy, Anne Clear and John McLaughlin. And CMC has been a full associate member of ISCM since 2020, while the Irish section was represented by the Association of Irish Composers. And CMC's election as the Irish section follows the decision by AIC to wind up its activities earlier this year, with both organisations agreeing to CMC applying to take over this role with ISCM. And the ISCM is an organisation for the promotion and exchange of new music. Central to the organisation's activities is this annual festival, which, as we said, took place in New Zealand this year. This festival of new music held in different locations every year. And this festival is really a significant channel for the international dissemination of new music. I spoke to Ryan about his experiences of the festival and his piece, Owen that was performed by the Christchurch Youth Orchestra. So in a late night Zoom conversation in Dublin, which was morning time in New Zealand, I began by asking him to describe his surroundings. I'm in Christchurch in New Zealand at the moment. It's a bright, sunny, thirsty morning here, looking out over the Southern Alps and South Island. It's absolutely stunning. Um, I'm here for the International Society of Contemporary Music's um, World New Music Days 2022. It's a, been a nine-day-long festival of contemporary music from across the globe and has also been put on in conjunction with the Asian Composers League Festival as well, which has been taking place in Christchurch. So we started out in Auckland last week. It seems an awful long time ago. And a lot of new music and chats since we find ourselves on the last day of the festival here in Christchurch. I was absolutely delighted to have one of my pieces selected as part of the Irish section call for works for the festival and then in turn to have that work selected by the festival curators for performance out here. So the work they chose that I wrote is called OEM. Um, It was initially written for the Ulster Youth Orchestra and so the particular call they put out was for works for youth orchestra. And even though this was a, it's a challenging work for a youth orchestra, they took it on and um, it was performed on Sunday evening here in Christchurch by the Christchurch Youth Orchestra. And they did a fantastic job. They really threw themselves into it. It was a big ask for them. I mean, a whole programme of new music. And I think many of the musicians in the orchestra wouldn't have engaged really with with new music to some extent. And 
the range of stuff that they presented on the program was enormous. So they had pieces that used lots of extended effects that were kind of very, very sonic based. They had pieces which which were more much more straightforward, you know, kind of comic pieces, joke pieces. And then my piece, which was somewhere in between. So it's it's all fully notated. It has only a, a small amount of, of kind of extended techniques, you might say. But they really got into it. I had a chance to rehearse with them beforehand and I spoke to them about the piece and I was really heartened that questions were coming back. Good questions about, you know, about, about the piece and what it represented. And uh, ever since the concert, I have seen members of the orchestra around the festival, various things, and they've come up and they've spoken to me and they've openly said how, you know, they weren't really into contemporary music before now, but they're going to look at it more and um yeah it, it has been it's been it's been lovely it's been really heartening to see their engagement with it i'm really delighted with the performance it was conducted by um helen renault she is the artistic director of the orchestra i suppose and a bassoonist yeah and uh, it, i think it really enriched the festival it can be hard to get or- orchestras at the best of times um so having an two orchestral concerts as part of the festival was was really welcome and also, you know, the idea behind the piece, as you mentioned, is Owen, after the Owen uh, stones and these messages and symbols and so forth. Obviously, you, as you mentioned, you wrote it for the Ulster Youth Orchestra, who maybe would have got, you know, the cultural reference of that. You know, to what extent is that, you know, a factor or a concern when you're dealing with a, an orchestra that's, you know, based on the other side of the world that maybe mightn't get the kind of symbolism or mightn't understand it or or, or do they or that, were there parallels there? So, yeah, that's an interesting one because the the whole choice of subject matter for OM, even when I was writing it originally for the Ulster Youth Orchestra, it was all about sending a message. And there were different layers of sending a message that I was interested in. There was me sending my little message about my music to the world, but also about communicating to the orchestra. I, again, a bit like with the, the Christchurch Youth Orchestra, many of the students wouldn't have engaged with new music in any way before. So this was communicating to them. Not only that, but the piece was written for the orchestra's 25th anniversary tour. And so they were traveling to Austria and to Slovakia um, with the piece. So I, I wanted it to be a kind of a message bearer for the orchestra in terms of the identity of the orchestra, the identity of wh- where they come from when they were when they were away. When I was speaking with the, the, the youth orchestra, I kind of explained this to them and the piece was much clearer to them then at that point, and they could connect the dots um, because there are kind of there are little Morse code rhythms embedded in the score. I was interested in, in how ohm stones are can be, can be read. Well, they're read from bottom to top, up one side and then down another, and you can look at them from different angles, and they, they have these hewn marks, these wounds in the stone, and I wanted to represent those musically. And so once I had explained that to them, they really got on top of it. They, they knew where it was coming from.
in terms of this total immersion for you as a, as a composer, as an artist attending this new music festival, you know, over a period of eight days, and the fact that you are meeting so many artists, composers from different countries, exchanging ideas about experiences, about artistic practice, I'd imagine. Maybe talk to me about that whole kind of experience of, you know, the hothouse of what is the ISCM World New Music Days. I mean, it's a fantastic festival. And like many festivals, it's been hit by uh, the dreaded Lurgy um, this past couple of years. You know, this festival was supposed to happen in 2020. And of course, we all know what happened. And it was rescheduled to now and there hasn't been any intervening festival. And I think the one thing that was really clear from everyone that was attending was that we need to be in the same space to properly share ideas. The, the festival is about sharing ideas and that can only be done by sharing music, sharing the physical experience of hearing these pieces from all around the world and the discussion that naturally follows them. So it was absolutely, absolutely vital, I would say, that um, we were able to do that, to to be immersed in it. It was quite an intense festival in, in the number of concerts that were were on. So you're exposed to a huge number of ideas, but the thing that really sticks with you are the the kind of the personal connections that you that you make. You know, somebody said to me, you know, before, I mean, music and the whole business around music making, it's a social experience. And, you know, we often forget that. It's not just about going to a concert and hearing music and experiencing music. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really... It- kind of defies the laws of physics a little bit these festivals because it's not a zero-sum game you know everyone doesn't go home with the same amount that they they came with everyone goes away with something more that they that they didn't have they're, these they're, these listening experiences the social experiences and in in the case of i suppose the assembly you know other things that need to be worked at so that the context for new music making on a global scale and how that's both presented and and represented is um you know there there's a lot of work that goes on in between times and i i'm delighted that cmc has been made the the full member for the 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 irish section at the general assembly i i think that's going to make a a massive difference and uh yeah i look forward to seeing what what comes out of that in the future who knows maybe the world new music days will come to ireland at some point Ryan, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I know you're, you know, just at the point of uh, checking out of your hotel and your onward travels. And thanks to Culture Ireland as well for supporting this uh, trip, for you being able to um, travel. Without that support, I simply wouldn't have been able to come. And I really feel that without that support, my music and the music of my colleagues in Ireland, all composers working across the country, wouldn't have had a chance to be represented here in the way that it has been. That too has been vital. Ryan Malloy's OEM, as performed by the Christchurch Youth Orchestra at this year's ISCM World New Music Days in New Zealand. That's all for this week. Our thanks to all our guests for their time. Thanks also to our CMC colleague Keith Fennell for his help editing the episode. We'll be back next week with more. Until then, thanks for listening.